Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm Adam. And I'm Al. Now, we understand that every three seconds a new podcast is created, and now there's actually one podcast for every three people. So we just wanted to take a minute to say thank you very much for downloading this one, and we hope you enjoy it. In a nutshell, we realised that some of our film tastes weren't what you'd call conventional. So we decided to talk about them and hopefully shed some light on some films that either didn't get what we felt deserved at the time, or we just wanted to rewatch and talk about them. You don't have to have seen the film, but if you haven't, you may want to just give it a quick Google. What's the end that? <sighs> Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That, where we discuss films we think may be underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. I'm Josh Hallam. I'm here with Adam Ward. Hello. And Al Bollins. Hello. So uh, this is the second episode that we're recording, second of our, of our lockdown specials, if you like. So we hope everyone uh, is doing well. Adam, Al, both okay? Adam, I'll come to you first. You okay? Yeah, yeah, not not bad, thanks. Bored? Um, yeah, I'm bored. I've yeah. been jogging a lot yeah. to sort of like be less bored. Yeah. But that's boring. I'm pretty bored. It yeah. was my birthday, so I've been eating lots of um, cake and donuts and... Um, terrible things that will give me diabetes <laughs> More or less. well at least hopefully we're coming through through the end of it now um i should just say before we start um we are doing this again via zoom so bear with us with the sound quality we will we'll do our best um we're excited today we were joined by uh, our first guest who is an, a legitimate film critic um uh, clarice how are you clarice lockery Hello, thank you so much for inviting me and calling me legitimate. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> how, how are you coping with the? Uh, how are you coping with lockdown? Uh, it's been interesting. I live alone in a very very small studio flat, so I'm having a bit of an old boy light experience. <laughs> if anyone's seen old boy, <laughs> um, someone's delivering your Chinese food once a day, and <laughs> I, I, that's the. Oh, I don't even get that part of it. I would love some dumplings right now. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's been interesting. We'll say that. So, I mean, as you're our first film critic, I'm, I'm quite interested. Are, are you still able to work during this? Are, are they sending you screeners or are you just kind of doing what you can? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, screeners are still happening. Uh, the issue is that 
there are actually very few films coming out. I think everyone has the impression that, oh, everything's like, there's so much stuff to stream. And if you actually look at the the weekly list of movies, it's it's pretty limited. So, um, but, you know, I my, my job have been pretty cool about it and have just let me write about older movies, which is nice. It's been nice to actually go back and explore. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. Some what any particular ones stand out to you? Uh, I wrote last week about audition. Yeah, once you've seen it, you don't, you can't get it out of your head. I'll, I'll just say that <laughs> there are some images. There are some images in this movie that stay with you. So, I think something I'm, I'm always interested to know as a, as a film critic: how many films like do you watch a week? Roughly, obviously, it's different most weeks. Like on a standard week, but when you're not. Stuck in your old boy, old boy flat. Probably, um, in terms of new releases, like not that many, to be honest. Like just with my job, I I I review three a week. That's like my gig. Right. Um, so I'll watch those three, and then I'll usually try and catch up with like one or two other ones that are coming out to make sure that you know, because it's it's another part of your job is you. Yes, you write the reviews, but you also just have to be kind of aware of the general landscape and just have have an awareness of everything that's coming out. So, so you kind of have the the writing part, and then you have the the self educating part. <laughs> Ever been a time when you kind of <laughs> sitting there in the cinema and you watch something and you think, oh, I should have done something else? No, because the other jobs that I did this before this were, I yeah, were not good. I've heard other critics talk about that sort of thing. They do always kind of go, but then you think to yourself, you are watching films and writing about them. So there's worse things that you could be doing, I suppose. Yeah, because I one of my former jobs was I used to stand in Edinburgh Airport and try and sell diarrhea pills to people. So if I'm sitting like watching a bad movie, I was like, I would rather be doing this than standing in Edinburgh Airport selling <laughs> diarrhea pills to people. So that's, that's yeah, I've never taken this job for granted. Long flight, sir. Can I interest you in some diarrhea pills? <laughs> that was the, I had to go up to them in the shop and say hey where are you traveling are you traveling somewhere <laughs> where you might poop your pants uh <laughs> it was a horrible job but also because weirdly it was over the holidays and and i for some reason a lot of people were going to funerals so that was a very Ooh. very awkward experience yeah <laughs> so i suppose the kind of the final question i've got is do you ever find yourself obviously a lot of films people will say stuff like the critics, the critics didn't like it or the critics loved it. Do you ever find yourself disagreeing with the consensus? So like everyone loves uh, the Godfather, something that's universe, more or less universal. And you think, nah, I didn't think it was all that or the other way around, which I suppose brings us neatly onto the film you picked. I like, I find the idea of the consensus very weird. Cause I, I, I always find it odd when people talk about like the critics and the fans, because it makes it out as if like, I am not human. <laughs> I am some mm. sort of like weird beast from like the depths of the sea that comes out and says two stars and then like returns down. <laughs> it's that's the odd thing. It's like I I am just a person who likes movies and I I write about them. And I guess the reason I do that job is I write about them in a way that people like to read about it. Like that's the only thing that separates me from mm. everybody else. And so yeah, I, I kind of hate the idea of the consensus because we all have very, we're all individuals and we all come from different backgrounds and different experiences and that all feeds into 
into the kinds of movies that you love and why you love movies. So yeah, I find the whole idea really weird. It is that thing, isn't it? Of like, like you say, like, it's like films are taken to the critics as an offering, <laughs> like a gladiator or something. And they kind of give it a thumbs up or thumbs, you take it to one room <laughs> where every critic is sat there and they just kind of give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. <laughs> Wacky Phoenix, a gladiator. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was so hot for Wacky Phoenix and gladiator. Um, where he plays like an incestuous murdering Roman emperor. Topless sword That's practice right. in a frosty forest. I mean, what's better than yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, he had some problems, but you know, I can change him. <laughs> so we'll move, we'll move on to the kind of Mabel the podcast. We do always start with a completely uh, with a completely random question before we before we get into the the meat and meat and two veg of the film. Um, so I'll ask the lads first, and we'll give you that'll give you a general idea of, of what it is we mean. Uh, Adam, what's your dance floor vibe killer? And I'm talking, you're at a wedding, you're at a party, song comes on, you're on the dance floor, you think, that's not it for me. I'm going to get another drink, I'm going to get some volivons. Well, as as you know, I'm all about pop and funk. Mm. Um, so, like, I want to hear some JT when I'm out there, I want to hear some Bruno Mars, I want to hear some Luca Vandross. Um, I kind of hate any kind of novelty song, any kind of novelty song and I'm out. So, like, you... Gangnam Style, YMCA, anything like that, I'm done. If it's a song like, if, if it's like a Signorita by JT, which is always my wedding pick song, mm. even if no one else is dancing, I'm on the dance floor. Uh, Al? Um, I've, got, I've got two. I don't like... Um... <laughs> no joking, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like um, Build Me Up Buttercup because it's, it's overplayed and I'm sick of it. And what's the other one? Uh, Baby Love. Yeah, I hate that. Baby love. Uh, controversially, mine, I've got two, similar to Al, even though I said one, um, is Dancing Queen by ABBA, which a lot of people always recoil at. And um, the other one is Young Hearts Run Free. I don't know why. I like ABBA, but for some reason, those two songs just make me, just kind of kill it for me. They're like, stop the, me in my stride. The other one just reminds me of Romeo and Juliet. So I, I quite, I don't dislike it. Mm. The Baz Luhrmann one. Yeah, the, the other one. That's what Mercutio sings. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, just something about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know, I suppose. It's just one of those things. Clarice, what about you? I, it's weird. I usually just leave the dance floor when I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm like, my arms hurt. Time to give up. <laughs> I usually, I like anything slow. I'm not like a slow... You know where it gets slow and like everyone's trying to be sexy? Because I'm I'm not like a sexy dancer. I'm like I, I dance like Taylor Swift, where yeah. I kind of like mime the song <laughs> with like <laughs> sort of act out the song that and it's really embarrassing, which is why I, I like don't go to a lot of dance floors because I, I hate how I dance. <laughs> um but yeah, anytime it's kind of slow and sexy, I'm like, well, this is not for me. Time to back out. Time to get yeah. a drink. Yeah, I'm not one for a for a winding down slow ballad type song like i think it should be up there all night and then you finish big i'm more of a solo dancer <laughs> like that's just i, I if, if someone else tries to dance with me i can't i i don't know how that works i just need to dance in my own world away yeah. from everyone you actually grew up in the town from footloose and they had yeah. to leave because they were really... that's what it needs to be like i have to go into a warehouse on my own and just let it all out <laughs> the song footloose that's how you end the night I, that's a good one know that's the dance from Footloose so if that comes on I'm, I'm on the dance floor
Okay, so we'll move on to talking about uh, this week's film. The film that Clarice has chosen is uh, Crimson Peak, which is from 2015, I think. So big, similar to last last week, big spoiler for that. Please go and watch it and come back and listen. If you don't mind, carry on listening, but we will be doing spoilers throughout. Um, so I think it's set in the kind of turn of the century of the 18th to 1900s. It's about the young uh, writer who kind of has aspirations to be a, a professional writer, similar to uh, Mary Shelley or Jane uh, Austen at the time. A uh, kind of mysterious stranger played by Tom Hiddleston and his sister come to her where she lives in kind of rural New York in America. They fall in love uh, and he takes her back to his house in England. And then from there, some kind of spooky things go on. And that's all I'm really going to say, because I think the rest of the plot will, will, will come out in, in what we discuss. Um, have I missed anything there, Clarice? Would you say that's fair enough? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, yeah. spunky gal, spooky guy, and they yeah. go off to England. <laughs> yeah, it's actually on the DVD cover. Is... <laughs> <laughs> um, so apart from the fact that we asked you to pick a film, why, why did you pick this? Obviously, we discuss films that are underrated. Sometimes we just want to talk about them. I'm intrigued. Why, why did you pick this? I picked it just because I remember being very frustrated when it came out because I love this film wholeheartedly. It's one of my it's one of my personal favorites from the past like five, five I guess five years. Um and and seeing I think every time I would see a criticism because often like most of the time if I like something and a lot of people dislike it, it's fine. I see the criticism and I'm like, granted, I get that. We just have different tastes, but I would read the criticisms of Crimson Peak and I'd be like, oh, but you just don't get it. But uh, uh." (laughs) so I just I just remember a feeling of pure frustration during October 2015 (laughs) because of Crimson Peak. Is that sort of thing that you kind of come across a lot, would you say, or is this something that really stands out for you? No, not after most of the time. If if like I yeah, if I love something and everyone I say no hates it, I just go well. I understand my own tastes and I, I know that I have quite odd tastes sometimes. Like, I don't know, like uh, a movie like Mother. I understand why people hate Mother. I get it. I read the criticism and I go, granted, that's perfect. Yes. Yes, it is a very weird movie that doesn't make sense. This, And I think possibly because, I think just with this one, it's because I am such a huge fan of the gothic genre and gothic literature and I saw that so many of the criticisms were kind of also criticizing the concept of gothic literature <laughs> and yeah. I think that's what got me mad and it's like no but you can't but it's so good and it's like my favorite <laughs> genre and why are you just attacking everything I love so I think that's why I got a bit sensitive about it a bit defensive <laughs> yeah I mean, people are still allowed to dislike it obviously but I just get a little if i just get a little bit tense <laughs> i suppose question for the for the for the pod um adam had you seen this before no i hadn't seen it so it was like i just completely overlooked it especially with it being like Guillermo del toro like i've, I've watched a few of his films so well quite a lot of his films so like this one was a film i knew nothing about i hadn't heard the name and as far, i knew like they had a big cast as well so it's interesting that i yeah knew nothing about it going in yeah, al how about you mate no, I, I'd heard of it. Um, I thought it was a war film, like a really old war film. And I, I, I think I thought that with Warrior as well. Are you thinking of Crimson Tide, the kind of submarine film from... 
Possibly. <laughs> I thought this was a war film. Uh, I, seven seconds in, I thought, I, 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 this is not I what I thought. I feel like that should be a What war is this? I, I no, actually hadn't seen I'd it either, it. so that's... Um, that might be is that that might be the first time since possibly Dirty Dancing since none of us had seen the film going in at the possibly the yeah bits. so that's interesting so um, I suppose I'll go to, to you first Adam what did you what did you think of it what did you like what did what didn't you you know I like I enjoyed the relationship between Lucille and Thomas I thought that was an interesting aspect of it um, how they were kind of tethered together and you could see that there was some good in him. Um, but because everything they'd been through, he kind of couldn't really come out of that. I quite like that whole aspect of it. Um, and the youth character is an interesting character, the way she was portrayed as being quite weak to begin with and got progressively stronger as the piece went on. Um, yeah. What about you, Al? What did you, like, what did you think? Um, I'm, I'm very sorry, Clarice. Uh, I... It, it, it... I felt like it hit its stride too late. Like the first hour of the film, I wasn't that bothered about really. And then uh, when, when, when you know, it's all kicking off in the last sort of 40, 40 minutes, half an hour, I started to get into it then, I started to really enjoy it. But I don't know, I've got, is it, is it a horror film? Is that what we call it? I, I think it's a kind of gothic horror thriller type. I think it yeah. kind of toes the line between a couple of jobs. What would you say, Clarice? Yeah, it is. It's it's gothic horror. Mm. <laughs> this is the thing about Crimson Peak. It's it's the main. I I find parts of this movie quite scary. Personally, maybe that's my personal experience of ghosts. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but I I feel like the main thrust of the movie is not to scare you. The and this is the thing that Edith says in the movie the ghosts are a metaphor the ghosts are a metaphor for the past and when she says that in the film she's talking about crimson peak as well because she's writing a piece of gothic literature and the film is a piece of gothic horror and so what i love about it is that the all the all these ghosts are not there to scare her they're there because they're desperately trying to send a message across and so it's this mixture of like the whole movie is a mixture of of fear um, fear, tragedy, and passion, I would say. And and those are like three very intense emotions and you like put them in a pot and you stir them around and then you pull them out and that's Crimson Peak. Mm. I, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I disagree with you, Al. I, I really loved it. I, I thought it was yeah. brilliant. Someone's on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to me. <laughs> Similar to, to both of you guys. I remember it coming out. I remember hearing it reviewed on on the on, on the film show on Radio Five, and I just remember it just kind of passing me by. I remember probably thinking, "I'll watch that," because again, like Guillermo del Toro, love his whole kind of aesthetic and the way he puts his films together. And it must have just passed me by. I don't know why. Probably a Marvel film at the time or something <laughs> to see. <laughs> but I um I, I loved it. I I would never have sat down and probably picked this to watch. So I'm really glad that that you picked it, Louise, because I really loved it. I loved the kind of whole way it looked. I loved the performances. I loved the script. I thought it was like a really, I mean, I don't, I'm fairly certain, I don't even remember to tell me if it's not based on any pre-existing material. It's an original script. Am I right? 
Yes. So it's it's an original story, but it's very deliberately taking elements from um like lots of gothic. Like I mean the characters of yeah, like the fall of the house of Usher. It's it's sort of like kind of loosely based off that. And then they throw in a bunch of stuff from Edith Wharton's ghost stories. So that's what's kind of interesting. It's an original story, but it's it's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino version of Gothic because you know how like Tarantino just takes stuff and he put, puts it together yeah. and creates something new. Like this is the the Gothic version of that. Mm. I, one thing I quite liked is, like you said, it was it was scary. Had moments that are scary, but it wasn't there to scare you. It wasn't even sure. I don't know if, what you guys think about this. I'll come to you in a minute. I wasn't even sure until the end if ghosts were real in the world of the film. I kind of thought... For a long period, it could have been in her head. Mm. Yeah, me too. It wasn't. It wasn't until you saw the, the ghost of Thomas at the end, and yeah. Lucille had seen him as well. Yeah, there's that moment of realization between the two of them, isn't there? Where it's like, mm. oh, they, they are. He's here, and I, I kind of went ah, at that bit because until that point, I hadn't thought whether or not they were definitely because also they, they dealt with things like the poisoning element, didn't they? And whether or not she might have been kind of slowly losing her mind through the poisoning and through See, isolation and I, I at first I didn't think there was gonna be a ghost behind her when she said that. I thought she was just doing the old classic like comedy <laughs> routine of look behind you there's someone right there. Whoop and she hits her with a <laughs> giant mallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she was in the the, the like the comedic <laughs> I had written the film, that's how it would have ended. <laughs> I love the way it built tension as well. Like it was the way that it was she kind of slowly moves around the house and is looking at things and it, it does that thing that a lot of great gothic horror type does, which is it draws your attention to something that that isn't really there to see while something else it's almost like a distraction technique, I guess, if that makes sense. A sleight of hand almost where you're looking here and what and then the, the the kind of the thrilling thing happens here, if if that makes sense. Yeah. I th- yeah. I, th- I think I think I I I'm not a fan of of feeling tense when I watch a film. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And for a lot of, for a lot of it, especially <laughs> in the house, I'm sat there again. <sighs> I can't really cope with this anymore. Like, you know, when she opens, I think, one of the doors in the hallway and then the ghost just sort of like shuts it like that hmm. yeah it's like a face in in the cupboard or something. yeah it was yeah. that it was that moment i thought oh man they're stressing me out this film <laughs> see i don't i i wouldn't usually pick something that would make me jump not because i i kind of you know like people say that thing about horror being this really a pure genre and it's good to feel alive like going on a roller coaster or whatever it's it's that it's almost healthy to be scared so i'm like you i kind of just sit there going i'm wound up now i think it's all dependent on kind of how you how you see it because i think if you see it like in a cinema with surround sound and it's all dark you're so much more immersed in in a horror than if you watch it like during the day in your living room do you know what i mean i think so much of watching a horror film is about the atmosphere and the 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 environment whilst watching I watched it in the day and I made sure I drew all the curtains and stuff because also because the sun was hitting the telly, but also I wanted it to be to be dark when I was watching it's it. Like, so. It's like I went to go see, um, I remember going to see The Exorcism of Emily Rose um, at like a midnight screening. And then I remember we drove back afterwards and I don't know what was going on, but there was some kind of like police search going on right near my house with like, helicopters and dogs and stuff and i'm being so freaked out driving back to mine at like two in the morning with all this going on having just seen a film that wasn't an amazing film but like i quite like that scariness feeling of yeah being in that that zone i watched this on imax for the first time well it wasn't like a full imax it was like imax where it's not really the full imax um so yeah imax around sound and that is why i consider this movie scary because i was I was terrified. I don't know I what it is that. about no one else being scared by this movie. And I'm like, I I find it scary. <laughs> no, I, I, found, I, I found bits of scary. The ghost crawling along the corridor, the weird face in the cupboard. Yeah, her dead mom well, like shoving her hands through the door. <laughs> would not like that to happen to me. I thought um, Jessica Chastain was just wonderfully creepy through the whole thing. Really, some of the stabbings and the and the the wounds and stuff were just like really brutal. Oh yeah, where, um, like the the head smash the thing. That was stabbing in the cheek and the uh, head smashing yeah. on the sink. It was like it was really raw. And I think that's the best way to use gore and violence in a film. Is it's not if you use it too much, you kind of almost numb yourself to it. Whereas if you use it well and sparingly, it has a bigger impact for me. Did mm. you see Midsummer? No, I haven't seen. No. From what I've heard about it, I'm not sure I can even bring myself to watch it. Because there's some pretty, like, horrendously gory bits in that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think this kind of did almost come and go a little bit? Why do you think it didn't kind of have as big an effect as you possibly think it deserved? I think it is that combination of the fact it was sold as a horror film and and the fact that, I mean, it, it is a horror film, but not in in the way that 
we traditionally see on cinema screens. And also, I think just like gothic literature and the idea of the gothic is not super popular at the moment. Um, and it's it's quite a bit of like a, a niche. And I would say quite like feminine, like it's a quite it's quite a girly movie. And um, I think it was sold. It was sold to people as this very like, yeah, horror, bro, horror. <laughs> and then you come and you want and it's just like romantic and there's Tom Hiddleston's butt and it's. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's a lot of different things to, to what it was sold to to audiences I think and I, I saw that a lot in the reactions of people being like oh yeah it's not scary it's like it's too like silly and it, and and like it is silly but it, that's part of the genre it's kind of over the top and ridiculous and yeah there's like brothers and sisters like running around being like we're in love <laughs> and we killed our mother <laughs> and it's he's completely over the top but that's like part of the joy of it and I think that's all of that together is is such a is quite niche um and quite difficult to just sell to audiences it's almost like a gothic melodrama isn't it yeah i was gonna say melodrama yeah gothic is quite that's the thing like gothic is very melodramatic in its nature but i think i i feel like we culturally at the moment have sort of lost a grip on what gothic is i know that sounds really weird but like uh, that's the thing that there are so few movies that are like crimson peak coming out at the moment because mm. i think gothic to us is now like i don't know it's like vampires in fishnet tights <laughs> mm. it's one of those genres it's like almost like a um that they don't seem to be able to get quite right in terms of attracting a mass market i mean it's like reminds me a bit of like steampunk like every couple of years they try and do a steampunk film and it's like always they always seem to spend an inordinate amount of money on this film on, on a steampunk film and then they release it and it just kind of falls on its on its heart a little bit are we talking about mortal engines mortal engines <laughs> but like there's other stuff i'm trying to think um like a little bit uh van helsingy i suppose in terms yeah. of the, the other end of blockbusters van helsing even like a league of extraordinary gentlemen they, they bring these and it's just like the public almost it's like they don't quite know what they're in for yeah, because I guess it's an antiquated genre. I mean, the gothic and steam and and steam, well, not steampunk, but I guess like Jules Verne, that was all like the the Marvel, <laughs> the Marvel and Star Wars of its time. Okay. Like that was a thing that was created at a very specific time period, and it was really popular in that time period. And there's so many people who still love it now, but it's not, it's not new. It's like deliberately historical in a way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, it's like one of the, like you say. Maybe it's like one of those genres, like a, like a body snatcher movie that will come back eventually one day. Oh yeah, well even like musicals. I also love musicals, and and for years we had just no musicals coming out, and then we had La La Land, and now like finally musicals are starting to come out again, and I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I I feel quite disheartened sometimes because I I love a I love so many like unpopular genres. Like I love musicals, and I. And I love gothic horror. <laughs> These are just movies that nobody else really wants to watch. I, so I definitely feel like we're coming to a point now where sort of musicals have become cool again. I Thank agree. God. Yeah. With the exception of cats. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, this is the thing about popular genres. Is when a genre is finally popular, you have to have some disasters to balance it out. Because yeah. that means it's truly like back in the mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> look at like uh look at some of the comic book films we've for every Captain America, there's a Batman and Robin. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
is there anything kind of having having watched the increase? Is, is there anything that you would change or anything you don't like that you that you kind of might might alter about the film, or is it just a stone cold? Which is fine if it is that. Is it a stone cold? You love it, and that's that. Yeah, like every time I forget how much I love the movie, and then I rewatch it, and I just sit there going, "This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. This is the perfect movie." And I know that it isn't, but I think. I know that personally it just hits like so many. <laughs> Everything I want is just in this movie. All the passion and the beautiful costumes and the horror and the blood and the pain and the, I don't know, it's like everything in one movie. It's a beautiful looking film. Like the costumes are in- incredible, like across the Definitely. board. The costume and like the, I remember seeing um, the good Dr. Kermo's review talking about um, the, the, the red clay um, and like the blood and, and the way it all kind of, builds to this aesthetic i think i think it's i think it's um i thought that was amazing i thought it just looked incredible i mean i personally don't have anything that i think could be could be scared it could be changed the only thing like i just said earlier i i um i'm not a big fan of of jump scares but that's not a problem with the film that's a problem with uh, me being a bit of a wimp um (laughs) adam was anything you would change about it um charlie hunnam his accent is always not quite right yeah, it was a little like, off. I've never, never seen him in anything where I thought, oh, Charlie Hunnam, you've nailed that accent. <laughs> Everything I've seen him do, his accent's never quite there. And it's always like, oh, can you, are you not working with a dialect coach for this, Charlie? Come <laughs> on. I feel like, because have you heard his, just when he doesn't, his normal speaking voice? Because mm-hmm. it's sort of, because he's from Newcastle, right? And it, it's a yeah. Geordie accent, but then it's also not quite a Geordie accent. And so I wonder if he just like, and I, I like I feel that this is relatable because I also just don't have a normal voice, which is why I can't do accents because I have no basis, I have no like ground to leap from. <laughs> so I don't I don't really know that much about his background. I wonder whether he has like some sort of like international thing going on with his accent. And that's why he always like sounds slightly strange in every movie. Cause I've seen movies where he uses his normal speaking voice and it also like sounds like he's that's doing hot. a weird accent. <laughs> But then I'd say like Tom Hardy has got quite a nondescript accent, then. but then he's still able to do other accents. Yeah, but I don't. It's it's not so much like a nondescript. I don't know. There's something. There's there is something there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I don't feel like he's ever spoken about it because it's a rude question to ask. Yeah, oh, like sure. what's up if with your accent? Great voice work in this, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I always think Charlie Hunnam's pretty solid in whatever. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he's a bad actor in any way. I think he's a good actor, but it's just his accent is always just not quite right. I I agree. I would say he has an interesting voice. That's always been my takeaway. I never think he's doing a bad accent, but I'm like, that's a really unusual way of saying memorable. That. Enjoying that, yeah, yeah. I kind of like head. it. Just in your head. <laughs> <laughs> he's, one of, he's, he's one of my picks for the next Bond. I know it's quite controversial, but I think he. I think he's. If it wasn't for the fact that his performance, I can imagine being a little too similar to Daniel Craig's. I think they'll go different to Daniel Craig because they like to mix yeah, it do. up, don't they? The ghost element at the beginning. How come her ghost mum is like beware of Crimson Peaks when she's a child? So I don't understand how come her ghost mum. Can predict the future when she's a child because so this is like a big thing in gothic literature is that ghosts are always messengers and often they they are coming to give a warning so 
I think in like in the in the universe of gothic literature, like once you you die and go to the netherworld, you do gain some like sort of power of of knowledge and like and and like omniscience. And that's the thing, because like ghosts can kind of like pop around anywhere and do like weird stuff anyway. So I think there is all this like, always this idea in the genre that they just like they do know things. And that's why all the other ghosts in Crimson Peak like immediately know what's going on. <laughs> the second Edith walks in, it's like, oh no. <laughs> like I yeah, they're always messengers. I know it's not necessarily gothic, but I suppose if you think of like Jacob Marley and in the Christmas Carol, he he knows what's going to happen to Scrooge, and that's why he yeah. goes to tell him he's the messenger in the story, I suppose. Yeah, I think Christmas Carol, like I don't know that huge amount. I think it is sort of like leaning into gothic stuff mm. i feel like i've read that somewhere <laughs> <laughs> uh what about you al is there anything you kind of apart from what you've already said is there anything you'd change um there's not much i'd change because it's it just because I, i'm not particularly warm about the film that's more my own personal taste rather mm. than any, any reflection on the film but me me and my partner were watching it and we you know the ghost at the beginning don't go to crimson peak or whatever she's saying if she just spoke a little bit more if she just said a little bit more and gave some more helpful advice about what maybe why she shouldn't go to Crimson Peak. So you, or so your problem with the film is that one of the ghosts isn't like helpful enough. Yeah, <laughs> Crimson Peak. But why? Um, but this is like again. Sorry, I'd be such a nerd. This is a mistake. I shouldn't have picked this movie. No, no. I get too nerdy about it. But like, a, this is again like a kind of like a gothic literature thing. It's like the messenger. It's like whenever you get some like ominous message in any kind of literature, it's never like the full picture because mm. that's sort of, it's kind of going back to like ancient Greece and like the Delphic Oracle. And, you know, she'd, she'd like half natural gases and then be like, don't, or the, beware the Ides of March. I know that's different, but, you know, yeah, like beware the Ides of March. That's a great example of like every like warning <laughs> throughout literature, throughout history has always been like really vague. And it's sort of like a... Yeah an odd yeah it's like an odd literary tactic that it, there is like an internal logic in in fiction that messengers only know part of the story and they've got a they've got a film to make they can't yeah, get the ghost she, to she just went, yeah don't don't go to crimson peak because um some some inbred siblings are gonna try and kill you like and then the credits just roll like i did enjoy the moment when she um when she found out it was called Crimson Peak, and she's like, oh, no, what my ghost mum said, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose uh, moving on to where we, we usually try and decide whether a film is underrated or, or underappreciated. So if you have a little look at the kind of critical uh, reception. So first of all, a lot of the big critics, obviously Clarice included, but like Robbie Collin, Mark Kermode, Kim Newman, all praised the film from what I could read on on. on on the old interweb, they all seem to really like it. So it seems to be fairly, obviously to counteract what I said earlier, but the critics loved it. Or <laughs> some of the critics that I read about uh, uh, loved it. Also quite enjoyed the fact that Tom Huddleston from Time Out really liked it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's just Tom Huddleston and he's using a different name. We know that. <laughs> I'm going to submit a review. What's the name? Huddleston. <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> but um, so... Uh, General idea off IMDb, it gets a kind of six, six and a half out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 72%. Sorry, no, the critics give it 72% and the audience give it 55%. So um, 
Clarice will come to you first, probably easiest answer. What would you say? Fairly confident you probably think it's underrated. Am I right? Yeah. Oh my God. 55%. No. Adam? Yeah, I'd say that audience score is is a little low on 55%, but I think sort of six and a half to seven is, is about right for me. Al? Uh, I think, the, I think the, the score is fair. But if you are, if you like the gothic slash horror slash whatever it is genre, uh, I'd say it's, I say, I guess it's underrated. It's not for me, but I guess it would be an underrated film because, like you say, I heard of it and then ten seconds later I'd forgot about it. Like I, I don't know many people who have seen it or even talk about it. So I'd go underrated, even though it wasn't for me. I um, well, I'm gonna agree with Clarice. I think it's both. I think it's underseen. I think we'd all agree it's underseen because we've all talked about how it came out and and it wasn't a massive Mm -hmm. uh, commercial success but I think I do think it's also pretty underrated in general I I would put it higher than that I thought I'd not often do we pick a film when we do this and I think I'd watch that again whereas I I would watch this again I thought it was was entertaining it was it was very visceral it was scary it looked incredible for me we'll call it a draw because I'll make it I, I make that underrated for me for me personally so well, look, I converted one person to Team Prison. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my job is done. Uh, so, Clarice, thanks very much for coming on. Is there anything that we need to look out for? Oh, thank you so much. Um, so, I mean, my writing stuff you can all find on my Twitter. I am also doing a podcast at the moment called The Next Supremes, talking of gothic things if you're a fan of American <laughs> Horror Story. Uh, but I also post that on my Twitter. So just just come find me on Twitter. In the What's comments. your handle? Uh, at Clarice Lou, which is just me trying to type my name out, and then I ran out of space. <laughs> so just start, go at, start typing my name out, and then I'll come up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, please do go over there and uh, and and check that out because I've I've I follow you on Twitter, and there's always some great stuff on there, particularly when you're arguing with trolls about the film Crash. Um... <laughs> uh, they were so mad. <laughs> Thanks very much to uh, Clarice for for coming on. It's nice to have someone on who knows considerably more about films and what goes into films than we do. It was a fantastic of her to come on. Like she said to us before we and after we recorded, she's busy working on stuff, trying to keep busy during during the lockdown. Um, that is the second of our lockdown specials. We'll hopefully have a, another one uh, next week. Um, if you do want to get in touch with us in the meantime, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Twitter is at films underscore that. We're on uh, Facebook. We're on Instagram, filmsandthatpod. Um, thanks very much, Adam Ward. Toodaloo, Mother Hubbard. Thank you very much, Al Bollins. Thank you very much. And it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Hello, Josh here again. I just wanted to take another little minute to say thanks again for downloading the podcast. It really is greatly appreciated. If you do like it, then please like, subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Special mentions go to Lee for the music, Luke for the logo and Abby for producing, editing and generally putting up with us. If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Thanks once again and see you next week. Cheerio. Thank you. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.